And uh, and today we have uh, Sam Harris in his first ever first ever clubhouse conversation. So th thanks for being here, Sam. Excited to excited to get into it. Yeah, pleasure. So where where should we start? Well, well Sam, Sam, first I want to start with a, a topic that you've spent uh, you know better part of a couple decades you know on the front lines of and and really just doing a lot of activism in the space. And there was actually some some big news today that that I know you worked pretty hard to to bring true to life, which is that. Uh, Mr. Potato Head is is now just Potato Head, and so was curious for your um your your impressions and, and just based on the work that you've done there. I don't think I follow the Potato Head controversy. It's just, it's, it's, he's now he is now no longer a he. He's general gender neutral. Yeah. Yes, uh, I, I believe the AP came out with a statement. I, I don't know if uh, my sources want to want to. I, I believe I, I believe Sam. The technical term is he is a gender. <laughs> well, he's a potato, so I, I don't I don't care much, but. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've uh, I have had my concerns about the spread of wokeness, as you know, um, and the effect it's having on speech. So, I mean, perhaps it's, it's a good place. To start. I mean, you just had your last episode with Ricky Gervais. Uh, did, did you think a, a public intellectual like you would find common ground on atheism and, and wokeness with a stand up comedian? Well, yeah, that's not a surprise. I mean, he's uh, you know, he comes at this topic more or less from the same angle. I mean, the fact that he's a comic doesn't change much. I mean, he, he's obviously in the business of wanting to be able to say what he thinks. And, um, I, I, you know, he, I think he feels just as keenly as I do that, that it's, it's mission critical that we maintain the freedom to do that because it's, you know, I, I don't think he thinks of it in quite these terms, but from my point of view, it is our only error correcting mechanism. I mean, if, if you're looking for what is going to keep us from sliding toward the abyss, it, it is successfully persuading one another about what are what we should do in each moment. What are you know, what what are the sorts of values we should con converge on? What are our policies? What are the policies that are going to get us there? I mean, that's just we ha we have to have open ended conversation and we're always going to be ambushed by things that are difficult to talk about. And if you have created a generation of human beings who are so allergic to the, the discomfort produced by, by uh, you know, impolitic topics that they, they should not only shut the conversation down, but they just try to destroy everyone who was participating in it. It's, it's really just the, the worst possible algorithm to be running. And, and it, you know, as many people have noticed, it's, it's the same algorithm that, that religions have traditionally used uh, for similar reasons. I mean, if this is we're, we're living through a time of of blasphemy tests and you know, witch burnings, you know, figuratively speaking, but you know, not all that figuratively when you're talking about the complete reputational destruction of a person. So it's it's a it's a big deal. I, I worry that all of us are a little too online, and it's it's magnifying the nature of the problem. I, I don't know if I, I I include myself here. I don't know if I'm getting a distorted perception of how big the problem is, but there's no question it's a problem. Sam, you said something really interesting there where you said we've created a generation. And I'm curious if you think this is something that exists is, is you know, say the boomers versus Gen Z or millennials are more, you know, predisposed to this kind of, of wokeness that you've talked about. Is it a generational problem or are you seeing it across generations, you know, more, more akin to people who are very online or people who are in certain professions? Well, it definitely crosses generations, but it, it is, uh, um, at least I'm suspecting much more a matter of older people being bullied 
and, and really having a lot to lose, right? I mean, the people are now getting very cautious with their reputations for, for understandable reasons. And, and this extends to comedy and, and really every public facing profession. So, um, but it, it's not that, I, I gotta think that, that the, the actual true believers in these new doctrines skew fairly young, but they, you know, they have been indoctrinated by people who are now, you know, you know, my age and perhaps older because these ideas have been around for a while. And um, Sam, if you, uh, you know, you're, you're focused on, on how to fight this, I guess I have two questions. One is in sort of, in a pre-Trump era, there was sort of the, that, that boogeyman, and I don't mean to, to sort of, you know, downplay that, but there was sort of the, the, the alternative threat. And now in sort of the, the post, uh, in, in a Biden era, do, do you think there's going to be more focus on, or is that, is that your idea that there'll be more focus on sort of like the single, uh, you know, ch challenge, um, or do you still see sort of this like equal, uh, you know, ch challenge on, on, on both sides as it relates to you know, institutional capture or, or, or where we are there? Well, for, you know, leaving the Republican Party aside, the institutional capture seems to be all about the wokeness, right? I mean, that's, that's what's vitiating the conversation for the most part in academia and journalism and tech. And, and it's, they, those are the eggshells everyone is walking on. Uh, it, it's not that the alt-right or the far-right or the, you know, the neo-Nazis or even the new reactionaries in tech have uh, much influence in, in institutions, or at least I mean, you know, that's the way it seems to me. But um, I, I do worry that these two extremes are, are amplifying each other uh, hideously at this point. I mean, this has been ha this happened under left certainly for someone like me it, it was it was harder to go on and on about what's wrong with the the intellectual dishonesty coming from the left when you have trump you know, the, the great orange goblin over your shoulder seeming to empower the the worst tendencies of the right now there's you can read the word seeming however you want i think he's guilty of some of it he's, he's not he's certainly not guilty of everything that has been alleged against him, but he's guilty of enough so that it's it, it really was just a, a high wire act that no one could successfully accomplish. You just can't persuade people on the left. It remains to be seen just how, how much we can persuade them even now, but it, it, is, it is easier having Biden in office, although unhelpfully Biden has been uh, to, to some degree uh, captured by the, the spirit of the times, right? So, you know, he, he, the, the way he uses the word equity, you know, one wonders if he actually knows what he means by it. You know, if, if he, you could have just inserted equality into the, that sentence and he would have been just as happy, but it, these buzzwords are doing uh, an immense amount of, of uh, bad work on the right because they're, they're confirmed, they're checking, you know, all the boxes of paranoia uh, you know, so for people who are who are worried that we're going to wind up in re-education camps run by Maoists, and uh, it's just it's just cr creating you know needless obstacles to rolling out vaccines or anything else that that we should be doing right now. So it's 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 not it's, it's by, things are by no means sorted out. But I do think getting rid of Trump 
is helpful, even though the far left may seem more empowered by that that minor victory. So can I ask, has anything surprised you in, in the last months since the since the you know transition occurred? Like, was it kind of what you expected to play out that, that Biden would come in? And of course, he'd be using these words, but he did run as, as the moderate candidate and, and kind of won as, you know, won the nomination as the moderate candidate. Has anything surprised you or is this sort of what you expected to happen in a kind of post-Trump universe? Uh, I guess I was surprised by a few uh, own goals that really just seemed completely unnecessary or just just the, the fact that he framed his covid relief plan explicitly in woke terms you know basically seeming to say even i think it was it was in fact misrepresenting the actual policy but he seemed to be saying that they would be targeting you know non-whites uh as a matter of principle uh, and that was that was just so inflammatory and so it just i mean you know i i'm I think as worried as anyone about the inequality in our society, and I'm, you know, I, I, I would, but I think it, you would you should frame this in terms of wealth inequality and other forms of inequality that are real, and not use race or identity as a proxy for those problems. And it, it's not to say that something like wealth inequality isn't correlated with race; it absolutely is. But, but address the inequality because you know, everyone knows that you can find millions of white men who are not experiencing any kind of privilege right now you know if you, it's just and so to be to parsing everything through the lens of of white privilege and and racial inequality uh, it it re, it's just it's intrinsically toxic i just don't see how we we get beyond you know all the good goodwill in the world is not going to get beyond the the the, per, the perception of toxicity here and so it's. Uh, I was surprised that he, he, um, you know, virtue, virtue signaled uh, to the to the woke as much as he did. I, I was expecting more moderation in his in his public. Sam, um, so one of my pet theories that I like, and I've assailed Mark with this more than once, is this notion of you know conservation of religion and taboo, where whereby religion is never created nor destroyed, but only transformed. Obviously. Um, you know, a riff on the conservation of energy. And, you know, how much could you or would you credit, for example, the rise of wokeness or even political extremism on the right, either way you want to go, with um, the sublimation of certain religious impulses uh, via political means? I mean, obviously, other writers, I think it was either Matt Iglesias or Sullivan, titled The Great Reawakening, right? And sort of in keeping with a lot of the religious revivals that have typified American life over the, the course of the past two centuries. I mean, would you, I, I know you have strong feelings in religion and I do mean to ask you about that, but could you, would you even concede that there's any, that, that some of this is in some sense a sublimated religious urge? Well, it, it definitely has a, a kind of religious dynamics and that's, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too skeptical of that claim. I, I would be, I'm very skeptical of the claim that you can't get rid of religion and that it just moves. It's just a, this blob of dogmatism and superstition and taboo that just moves from the place you squashed it and and arises elsewhere. Um, it just that's not the way ideas work. You know, I mean, no, it's that you you can you can get rid of specific ideas. And you can even get rid of uh, you know, whole institutions and 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 uh, norms and aspirations that were anchored to those ideas. And 
and and the world is often better for it, right? So it's just no one is saying this about witchcraft, right? No one's saying there's a there's a law of conservation of of witchcraft, and there's no way to get out of uh, this way of talking about the the efficacy of magic spells. And you leave aside for a moment the the similarity between witchcraft and and traditional religion, which is obviously invidious and and uh, uh, something that most religious people would want to disavow, but but you know, witchcraft is is a belief in witchcraft and a, a a disposition to organize your life around its reality is obviously entangled with religion and is as is as old as religion, and still persists in various places. But it has been stamped out wherever science and in particular medical science has done a, a bit of good, right? And, and it's so people are no longer imagining that they get sick because they're neighbor cast the evil eye on them or cast a spell and and where you do find people behaving this way you know on the basis of these beliefs it's so obviously pathological that you have no one's defending it right and no one's defending the caste system in india right i mean i you know if i criticize islam uh, and its its beliefs i i'm immediately assailed if i criticize the caste system you know, in India, which is obviously anchored to the, the religion of Hinduism uh, and beliefs about karma and rebirth, uh, I've yet to meet a defender of it, actually. I've never uh, encountered one in the wild. I'm sure I could find one in a philosophy seminar. But um, it's, uh, it, so the th ideas and ideas and um, their, their motiv motivations can be, can fall under such disrepute that I do think they they can be banished from you know the, the whole theater of our concerns and we and we don't have to talk about them anymore and I mean that you just there's, there are many other things you could you could throw into this heap and obviously you know a point made by every atheist you can throw thousands upon thousands of dead gods who nobody worships anymore um, and even even the religions that still exist you know many of them as they get uh, mastered by modernity are changing their their truth claims they're changing their 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 basic orientation and and they're they've been uh there's they're just vast pieces of real estate in our lives that they no longer lay claim to and wh where again where they do it's not that they don't do this anywhere but where they do you know where you find parents in in america denying their kids you know, medical operations because, um, you know, they have some cockamamie religious ideas about them. You know, the, the parents deny their kids insulin, right? And and the, the kids die as there as was a fairly recent case of that. Um, it's just so it's, you know, it's, it's tantamount to a confession of mental illness, right? Whether or not anyone is actually mentally ill. So I think we can make progress in in any war of ideas, and I think we are, we're seeing signs of progress in this one. Um, but you know, you know, these, obviously, this is this is a, an issue we'll, we'll be talking about, or people will be talking about long after everyone in this room is gone. I mean, this is this is not going to happen in our lifetime, or at least I wouldn't expect it to.
Sam, I, I want to hear your predictions on where religion's going because we, we constantly read, you know, the Pew Forum always has that the nuns are the fastest growing category in the U.S., that the people are, are leaving organized mm -hmm. religion, but spirituality and, and to your point, these sort of superstitious claims, things like astrology are, are growing categories, at least in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, the, the idea that people outside of the U.S. too, religion, organized religions and, and more superstitious religions are growing outside of the U.S., um, we had Tyler Cowen on the show last week, and, and he mentioned that he believes the next great leader of the U.S. will likely be religious because of these trends. And I'm, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, perhaps organized religion is is declining in the U.S., but are there other sort of veins of spirituality that are that are growing that have characteristics uh, that we would historically, you know, attribute to, to religion? Well, I, I, I definitely would not count the theocrats out even in, in the U.S., right? Yes, there has been a rise of the, the nuns. It, I'm not entirely sure who the nuns really are. I mean, mo most of them are, are not avowed atheists. I think the nuns are something close to 25% now in, in the U.S., and atheists are still around 3% or so. And part of that is just that atheism as a concept is has such bad press that there are very few people who happily uh, call themselves atheists, uh, but many people functionally are. And uh, the truth is, I'm that sort of person. I, you know, I never thought of myself as an atheist. I've never spent, you know, five minutes worrying about the, the fate of organized atheism. Uh, I never used the term atheism or atheist in my first book, The End of Faith. And it wasn't that I suppressed the term. I simply didn't think in terms of atheism. Uh, I was just thinking in terms of the collision between science and and superstition and reason and faith and um, and I just you know, I just I want to talk about things like evidence and common sense and and plausible beliefs and and what it takes to be in touch with reality. Uh, so atheism as a political movement, I've always viewed as as fairly stillborn, right? And and fundamentally unnecessary. You know, a, a point I've made many times before, you, you don't have to call yourself a non-astrologer to see what's wrong with astrology and to to reject it as a an organizing principle for your life. And and, and you, you don't have to go to conferences on non-astrology to, to motivate that whole conversation. You just, every time you see astrology invading our con, our, 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 our public policy, you know, or, or you, know, you, you see people running on a platform of astrology, hoping to get elected to the presidency, well, then you, you push back against how, how uh, ludicrous those beliefs are. But you, again, you don't have to define yourself in terms of their, uh, uh, of opposition to them. So uh, I'm much more interested in the, the frontiers of science and reason generally and, and intellectual honesty you know, most generally, right? Just, just how we can not pretend to know things we don't know, and 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 remain anchored to the norm of doing that, and how we can be become more sensitive to how unseemly it is that 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 so few so few people are actually anchored to that norm. Um, so I, I think it's um, uh, you know as far as where this is all headed, I. I it is obvious, certainly in the U.S., that re sincere religious belief is inversely correlated with education and wealth, right? So as you as you correct for, as you skew for for greater wealth and greater education, 
you find more and more of the nuns and, and more and more of the atheists and and uh, more Hindus, actually. Hindus are, I think, the, the most well-educated and wealthiest cohort in our society. Um, uh, and then and then, then the Jews. But it, you do begin to lose religion as life gets better and better. And I, I, you know, that's not an accident. Right. And, and that's um, but that's not also it's not not to discount the things that people have traditionally gotten from religion. Or think they were pursuing under the ages of religion that are, in fact, necessary to human well-being. I, I, don't, I don't take religion seriously. I don't think anyone should. But I take mysticism seriously. I, mean, I take con contemplative spirituality seriously. I mean, just what, what are the furthest reaches of human well-being and how can we explore them more and more. I think that, that that's a that's a real project that we should take seriously. And it is just in fact descriptively true of our world that most of the people historically who have taken that project seriously have done it in the context of one or another religion. Uh, and so it is with many other things like you know community or or even ritual. I mean, we, we want these things, but again I, I think we, we we don't have to lie to ourselves about the nature of reality or about you know, specifically about the divine origin of certain books to have any of that. And and that really, that, it just comes down to, again, you, you don't have to define yourself as an atheist. And, and, I, and I never think of myself as one. I mean, atheism is a, is a noun that almost never appears in my mind. Um, but, but you just have to look at the claims that are being made and have to be made by the various cults and, and religions on offer and ask yourself how plausible they are, right? And, and every one of the, the major religions, and certainly the Abrahamic ones, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, is, is anchored to the claim about uh, that a specific book was written or inspired by an omniscient being. And that is, that if anything is obviously implausible, it's certainly that given all that we've come to learn in the last 2000 years. So, and, that, and that's all you need to demolish the, the pretensions to ultimate truth that, that come from those faiths. And that, so it's, it's, you can be completely disruptive uh, of those projects without ever even knowing that organized atheism is a thing. And that, that's actually how I stumbled into all of this when I wrote my first book. So, Sam, a couple comments there. Um, so it's funny that you mentioned that so many religious concepts are in the past, things like, you know, paganism and witchcraft. And, you know, the, the people who would st most strongly agree with you are, in fact, Catholic priests and Jewish rabbis, right? They, they view their flavor of ethical monotheism as, actually as progress over that, right? So when I was calling out, for example, wokeness as a religious concept, you have to look at it in terms of the religious tradition from which it emerges, right? It's, it's, this didn't come from... Uh, animism or Asian ancestor worship, right? It came from a very Judeo-Christian origin, specifically a very Protestant origin, right? And there are many who have drawn a direct line between, uh, you know, so social progressivism in the past was an evangelical Christian phenomenon, right? It, it was a Protestant Christian phenomenon. And suddenly it's an elite secular phenomenon. So you cite the nuns category, but, you know, when I say religion, I don't literally mean like a mainline um, Anglican church, or what's it called in the United States, uh, Episcopalian, right? I, I mean a religious mode of thought, right? Which you can call yourself a nun and yet believe in that in that religious thought, right? And so, it, and then in, in terms of the literal belief of God, I mean that I, I mean it, 
not to be pedantic about it, but there, there's actually strains of Judaism that actually don't, don't even accept that, right? Like Reconstructionist Judaism um, does not believe that God actually gave yep. um, the Torah to, to Moses on Mount Sinai. And in right, I think one, one place that a lot of the, the I mean, not to ba- paint with too broad a brushstroke here, but I think one place where the, the sort of new atheist philosophy goes a little wrong is that it, it gets stuck in this Galileo mode of the truth claim when I think at least most modern intellectuals in either the Judaic or the Catholic tradition have kind of gotten over that hang up a long time ago and they're, they're no longer making truth claims, right? I, I understand that in the US, the exposure to the Christian thought is typically evangelical Christians who do indeed take over some school board in Texas and try to pass creationism or whatever. And that's one flavor of it. But I, I wouldn't say it's straw manning exactly because it does exist, but, but that is just one challenge to this thought. Right. And, it, you know, one thing you said, it, it does seem like from what you said that you do appreciate the community building and the feeling of shared narrative and, you know, mysticism, the feeling of communion you know, with something either divine or numinous in some way that religion can create. Right. And I think that's another thing that's worth distinguishing. One is, I think you're really focusing on the sort of orthodoxic side. Do, do I believe that Jesus is the son of God and die for my sins versus the actual practice of it, which I think we got into a little bit in yesterday's show, right? Where like it doesn't, in some sense, if everyone comes together and has a Yom Kippur service and has a meaningful experience around a shared set of narratives that they believe in, it, it doesn't matter if God exists, right? That experience was a very real unifying one, right? And I, I guess I'll, my last point, and I'll shut up there, is that, and, 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 and here I want to get into some of the points you made in your book, The Moral Landscape, um, you know, it, it, everywhere in life, we are forced to make metaphysical claims about things, right? The United States of America, right, is a civilization built around a document, just like Judaism, right? And it is a document passed down by prophetic founders that's interpreted by a pseudo-rabbinical court called the Supreme Court of the United States, and that is a major part of our public life, which is why our public life